Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Service. Tonight, we are talking all about what is subject to. Something that you see on our logos, something that you see on our website, something that you see on our Facebook group, Creative Finance with Pace Morby and Friends. We talk about subject to all the time. And what's so funny is that um, somebody asked me today, hey, what's the name of today's episode? And I said, oh, it's we're just going to ask the question or we're going to answer the question of what is subject to or what is sub two? And they're like, really? You're going to talk about that? Like, who needs to know what subject two is? And I said, ironically, somebody actually asked me that today on my Instagram. It literally was I, I reposted. It was such a good question. Um, let's see. Where is it? Boom, 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 boom. It's too good. It's too good to even be true that it was asked today. Um, but um, it says joining sub two this week while you're waiting to pull that up. Ooh, I love that. So, uh, subject to real estate, let's answer it really quickly. And I'll, I'll even see if Cody can explain this. He never ever has to explain this, but, um, sub subject to is a strategy, one of multiple strategy of acquiring control of a property. Okay. It's a strategy to acquire control of the property because just because I bought something subject to doesn't mean I actually have to own the property, which is interesting, right? It is the process of buying a home without having to qualify, without having to assume the loan, without having to show bank records, tax records, proof of funds, or anything really. What you're doing in subject two is you are taking over somebody else's existing debt and you are taking over the property. So what happens in a subject two transaction is somebody owns a house. That house has a mortgage to Wells Fargo. You, the buyer, instead of paying off that mortgage to Wells Fargo, you simply take ownership of the property by transferring the deed or the, the, own, the certificate of ownership into your name, but the mortgage always stays in the seller's name. So the way I look at it is this. Cody, do you do you buy um, things with a credit card? Yes. Okay, so what kind of credit card do you have, by the way? Amex, dog. Okay, so Cody's an Amex guy. I'm an Amex guy too. I buy literally the first card on my wallet right here is an Amex. It's one of two things I carry on my wallet is an Amex, right? So everything is paid for with somebody else's money. We agree with that, right? So you go to the grocery store, Cody, let's say you go down to the grocery store to Albertsons, Bashes, Smith's, Kroger's, whatever it is, wherever you are in the country, and you buy $200 worth of groceries with your American Express. Mm -hmm. Who owns the, those groceries? I do. You're telling me that even though you use American Express's money, to buy those groceries, those groceries are not owned by American Express. Correct. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so what happens is you get a receipt, right? You get the certificate of ownership or the receipt of those groceries and you walk out of that store and if the security guard stopped you and said, how do I know you own those groceries? What would you show them? The receipt. Our receipt. Okay, but hold on. But you still used American Express's money. Yes. Okay, so this is very similar to buying a house. Okay, so what happens is when you go down to a bank and you go, I want to buy that house over there. The bank loans the money to you to buy the house. And 
weirdly, the bank doesn't own that house. The bank loaned you the money. You have a debt, just like you do to the credit card company. You make a minimum payment, or you can pay it all off in one fell swoop if you decide to do so. But when you buy a house, the receipt of that house is called a deed, or the certificate of ownership is called a deed. Okay, In a grocery store, it's called a, a receipt. With a house, it's called a deed, but it's basically the same exact thing. It shows who has ownership. So, C Cody, let's say you walk outside of that grocery store. Yep. And I run up to you and I go, bro, I have no time. I have to hurry and get back to this party I have at my house. I will pay you for all of the groceries in your cart plus $20. And you go, okay, great. So what, can, what then happens is I go, well, I'm not going to pay $200 in cash. What I'll do is I'll just pay off your American Express next month. Could we technically do that? Yeah, why not? So I just subject to your groceries. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't even have to come. I didn't have to even go through the store. I didn't have to pick out the things I want. I didn't have to wait through the line. I didn't have to do anything. I literally just took over your American Express payment. And next month, I'll make your American Express payment when the money comes to me. Okay. So the way I told this story once is I told the story of essentially, let's say, Cody, you go, all right, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to have a big barbecue. I'm going to buy hot dogs. I'm going to buy buns. I'm going to buy ketchup, mustard, all that kind of stuff. And you go to the store and you pay full retail. You use your American Express. You walk out the store and you've got a receipt that says you, you spent $200 and you have a grocery cart full of $200 worth of hot dogs. Yep. Why would somebody come up to you and pay you what it was worth or maybe even a little bit more than what it was worth? And uh, what would they do with it? Why would they, why would they even be willing to do that? Well, think about it this way. What if I went to Cody and I said, Hey, I want all those hot dogs and I could go out and I could start, start like a hot dog stand. And instead of me, you know, paying Cody $225 or $250 for a bunch of hot dogs, I could go out and actually cook those hot dogs, sell them, you know, in front of a ballpark or at a park or something like that. And I can make $500, $600 or whatever. Right. Yep. Yep. It's the same thing with housing. So what Cody and I have done so many times, countless times, in fact, we just got a triplex in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got a four bed, four bath house in Texas. We got a six bed, six bath house in Florida coming down the pipe. We've got these amazing Airbnbs all over the country and we've bought all of these houses utilizing this same method. Somebody else went out and got the, the mortgage. Somebody else went out and borrowed the money in their name. And all Cody and I are doing is asking them to transfer the ownership to us. And we just make payments to their quote unquote American Express card. So we didn't have to qualify for the loan. We didn't have to assume or put our name anywhere. Literally, literally took over somebody else's credit card payment and just bought and took over the groceries. Okay. Transferred the receipt. So it's kind of the same thing. If you, you ever been to Costco, Cody, I don't know if you're old enough to care about Costco. I would go to Costco when I was a little boy with my grandparents. There you go. So when you get older, you, go, you have like 18 kids and you need to buy like the giant rolls of toilet paper. Basically. You need like a hundred. Do you rolls. remember what happened at, at Costco that they took your, what do they do right before you walk out the door? Check your receipt. They do a little check, a uh, little check off on your, they receipt. make sure that you are the owner. You paid for the groceries, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so when I'm walking out of the grocery store, out of Costco, do they ask me who 
I borrowed the money from? Do they ask me what credit card I use? Do they ask me whose credit card I use? No, they're just like, yo, did you pay for this or not? That's exactly how it is in subject two. So what happens in subject two is that the only thing that matters to me is, is my name on the deed, right? So many people are like, that's not possible that you can buy a house without a loan, without qualifying, without an assumption. Okay, but you do it with groceries and you do it with basically anything you buy your credit card with. You're borrowing money to get something and the person you borrowed the money from doesn't own it. And technically, I could go sell that or I could let somebody take over my car payments. I could let somebody take over um, you know, my groceries like we talked about. We've taken over air conditioning payments. We've taken over IRS liens. We've taken over state and HOA liens. Man, there are so it's endless what you can do with subject two. And it's not just houses. It's literally anything else. Okay. Um, California, the, de the deed and the mortgage are, okay, there we go. So the deed and the mortgage are separate. So this is an interesting thing. So somebody must have said, okay, so how is the name transferred on the deed? Okay. So the name is transferred on the deed through a actual recording, right? So here's what we do. I'll pull it up for you guys. So you guys can actually see a, a recent one that got recorded a couple of days ago. Um, this is the one in Fayetteville. Let me pull it up here so you guys can see it. So what happens is the title company is the person who transfers it over. So here we go. And we'll get, we'll get into some more explanations of what subject two is just so you guys can see a little bit more. But let's pull this one up. So right here, I don't know if you guys, can you see this okay, Cody? Yep, I can see it. I can see it good. Okay, cool. All right, so this is the notice of recording. So right here, December 30th, check that out. A couple of days before, close of, uh, before the end of the year. Notice of recording in Cumberland County, North Carolina, um, Stillwater, Wilmington. Okay, cool. So basically, this is the receipt of a transfer of ownership. Okay. So this is on a triplex that we just bought from Christina and Tanisha, a couple of students in sub two. They found a seller who's like, I'm done with this property. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I have a mortgage on it. I don't want to deal with the tenants. I'm getting too old. And he basically just said, take over the payments. We literally gave the seller $0 for this property. The seller received $0 for transferring the ownership into our names. Now, how does the technical transfer happen in a subject to Cody? How does that technically happen? Do I just go down to the recorder's office? Do I go through a title company? Like, what do I do? How does that work? Yeah. And, and the simplest, just like any real estate transaction you're going to do, whether you're in a state with a title company or you have an attorney, you're going to have your agreement that basically just says, Hey, I'm the buyer of this property. I'm buying it subject to and in the paperwork, the title company is going to, or the attorney is essentially going to record it. Like the recording that Pace just showed, the title rep is going to be the one recording that literally, like, I like this as an example almost, but like Pace has his registration for his car. This is like the proof that he's the owner of the car. Essentially, the title company is going to record proof that you are now the new owner of the property. And that's where that deed is going to be getting transferred the debt is, you know, still staying in place. Like Pace was explaining. Cody, do you want to do, do me a favor, go on the computer on like, open up another browser and log into MLS right. and go to like monsoon. And let's pull up one of our properties to show people what a deed looks like. 
Like, let's pull up 2720 North Sterling. It's one of my houses. It's the house I used to live in that yeah. I still own. But let, let's show the deed. Like, let's just pull up the deed. Let's show the date it was transferred. Let's show exactly what it looks like. And as you're pulling that up, I'm going to answer a couple of quick fire questions. So Benny Romo says, does sub two work in every state? Um, sub two works in every single state. It's not something whether it works or not. It's something that's happening thousands of times a month all over the country. Okay. And I, I've asked multiple attorneys, multiple attorneys, as we were learning this, this process, I asked multiple attorneys that were uh, up to speed on subject two. And I would say, what would you say if somebody told you subject two was illegal? And those attorneys, Scott Horn, Sean St. Clair, multiple other attorneys said, well, I would just say that that person's not educated because subject two is perfectly legal, 100% legal. Um, so yes, it's legal. What's that? You wanted to see the warranty deed? Yeah, pull, pull up, um, like go to um, the recorder's website or whatever it pops up. Just yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, screen share that bad boy. I So Cody's going to pull up a property on 2720 North Sterling Avenue. I bought this property a little over two years ago. Man, I've made a good amount of money on this one. Yeah, make that bad boy big. Okay, guys, so check this out. You'll see, actually, I, I can barely see the names. Click it a couple more times. Make it bigger a couple more times. There we go. So you can see that um, Saguaro Cactus Holdings, LLC, um, my holding company, um, and my wife individually, as an individual, um, got the copy of this warranty deed mailed to us. So there's the escrow number. So a lot of people are like, well, show proof that this actually happens. Well, there's the escrow number. This was recorded at the county recorder's office. Like, what more do you want me to give you, you idiot? Um, so scroll down to warranty deed. We can show the seller's name. This seller is a personal friend of mine. D Dave Bayarski and uh, Jeannie, the amazing, amazing people. Um, transferred their property's ownership through this document. So the warranty deed is the document that is utilized to prove ownership. And you can see um, here's the lot number. Here's all that kind of stuff. And what day did it, what day did it uh, close escrow, Cody? Or what day did it record? Uh, November 21st, 2019. Love it, love it, love it. So this little two-page document, Cody, scroll up and down to just show how simple this document really is. And by the way, do you guys see it says subject to on the document right there as well, which is funny. It's a common phrase in, in real estate. It says it right there, subject to, boom. Current taxes, other assessments, blah, 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 blah. Liens. Liens, encumbrances. Isn't that amazing? This is a, a public document. It is on every single property that Cody and I own subject to and seller finance for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, and you can pull this up. On the, on the internet. It's pretty amazing. So when people are like, oh, this is not real. It's like, dude, literally give, we'll give you hundreds of addresses you can pull this up on. Okay. Um, so this property, Pasquale, Cody, you can stop that for uh, the time being. All right. So Pasquale says, how much money down do you need? Well, I just told you. I The um, triplex that we bought in Fayetteville, North Carolina, we gave the seller $0 down. Okay, so you can buy these houses for $0 down all over the country. We've done so many $0 down deals. Cody's girlfriend does $0 down deals. She used to start as a door knocker for us, and now she's out there doing her own $0 down deal. She's crushing it, doing a great job. Um, can you do a subject to on a short sale? Um, no, you cannot. 
You cannot do a subject to on a short sale because a short sale means that the bank has already approved a sale price at a lower dollar amount. Okay. Um, really, really good stuff. Okay. Ooh, do you have a substitution of collateral clause in your paperwork just in case you change your exit strategy? Yes, we do. Do you have any example of this? Okay, this is this, this is the challenge, REI trainer. I'm you're asking me this question. It doesn't really pertain to this episode, but yes, of course we do have a, a substitution of collateral clause in our paperwork. Guess what? We've never had to use it because we pretty much know exactly what we're doing on the exit strategy on our properties, um, but we've never had to use it. Can a short sell as is cash offer only house have creative finance? No. Why would Sharon, um, Reggie, why would you want it to? Right? So can we subject to just about anything? Yes, technically we could subject to the property, even though it's going through a short sell. Yes, we can technically. Yes, you can. Yes. The answer is yes. I can subject to anything commercial property, mobile home park, mobile home is an indiv individual thing. I can subject to your car. I can subject to uh, apartment buildings, doctor's offices, single family homes, anything we can do subject to on. The challenge is that if you already have an approved short sell price from the bank, now the, the question here doesn't really pertain to subject to necessarily, but I do want to answer this. If you already have an approved short sell price from the bank, why would you want to sub to it, right? You've already gotten the bank to say, I'll, we'll sell this to you dramatically lower. So go and take that property and, and turn it into a, a fix and flip, right? Or turn it into a bird deal or whatever it is, okay? Um, Josh Corby asked a really great question. He says, I've asked around 20 different answers. Well, because those are 20 people that are probably actually not doing subject to. How do you pay? How do you pay the mortgage on a subject to? It is so simple. It's so bloody simple. There's only two ways to make the mortgage payment on a subject to. Okay, there's only two ways. The first way is very, very simple, but we rarely go this route. And there's multiple reasons why. And it comes down to um, one. If you're um, brand new, you're a novice investor, you don't know what you're doing, you're probably going to go directly to the bank, right? Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, whatever. Or you're going to log into the seller's um, login online and you're literally going to make the payment. Okay, it'd just be like if you called your mom and you said, mom, my car payment is past due and I need you to, I need to borrow money. Can you go make my car payment for me? Did you know your mom? There's probably a couple of people in here living in their mom's basement. Your mom can make your car payment for you, right? Just like anybody can make anybody's payment for them at like any time, okay? So technically, I can walk down to the bank. I can walk down. I can go on my computer, log in to um, when I first learned a long time ago, we actually used to log into sellers' bank accounts and make the payment directly from there. We don't like doing that. We actually... That's the first way to do it. So I just answered the question. It's the first way to do it, but we believe that's the wrong way to do it. And there's multiple reasons why. We hire a servicing company. That servicing company charges us about $25 to $30 a month per house to actually make the money uh, or the payment for us. And why do we go that route? We go that route because the servicing company takes the money out of our bank account. They then make the HOA payment, the seller's um old, you know, old sellers bank payment. They make the 
potentially, if the taxes and insurance are not in already included, they'll make sure the taxes and insurance are paid. And if for some reason you have a seller that has an equity portion getting paid to them, the servicing company will pay that as well. Somebody's going to ask, what servicing company do you use? Guys, we probably have seven servicing companies that we currently are using just based on who was the title company that set it up. Because there's a lot of times title companies own a servicing company and we'll go, yeah, sure, go through your company. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, okay? We use Evergreen Note Servicing. We've used um, Title Alliance as a servicing company. Magnus Title has a servicing company. Pioneer Title has a servicing company. So many people have servicing. Scott Horn himself, one of our attorneys that we use to close these transactions, owns a servicing company in Arizona and Texas. So if I'm doing a deal in Texas, guess who I'm using? I'm using Scott Horn. In fact, we just got a six bed, six bath, sub two deal um, tied up in DFW area yesterday. And I went through all this uh, subject to paperwork with the seller on a Zoom. So students, you guys will get that all on Tuesday. Um, but that transaction in DFW, we're going to use Scott Horn. And so if we use Scott Horn to do the transaction, right, the transfer of the deed, then the own the then the servicing company probably is just going to be Scott Horn, okay. Um, all right. So Adrian Durning, uh, th this question is one of those questions that just tells me that you don't have a lot of experience in this, and I don't. I'm not coming down on you. It just means that your question. Once you get into this business, you'll realize how non-important this question actually is, and I'll answer that in a second. Do sellers ever question you about logging into their accounts to make payments? How do you handle objections of that nature on the phone with them? Cody, have you ever had a seller ever question how, how we technically make their payments? No, not really. I mean, generally just setting it up with the servicing company and as part of the buying process, explaining how that happens, you're going to avoid that objection. Like handling just the transaction with confidence is going to most of the time give the seller just certainty of, oh, it's just handled through escrow and servicing and got it. So Kathy, this is an interesting question. What if the owner has a mortgage already in place, tells me that you either tuned in late or you truly don't understand what we're talking about? Kathy, I would love for you to come on here, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Kathy, if you're paying attention, look in the side chat. I'm giving you the link to come on to the stage. I wanna talk to you, okay? Kathy, 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 please click that, that link. It says streamyard.com forward slash a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Come on the stage. I want to talk to you about this, okay? Um, Justin Bird, would you subject to a property that will not cash flow for a, year, a few years waiting on appreciation? Yes. Jo so Justin Bird, let me um, show you something. I want you to go watch. And I wish I made this into a YouTube video. I did not because I'm an idiot. But there's a video that I did the other day where I um, streamed on Instagram TV for like an hour and a half. And I broke down a deal, um, actually that uh, triplex deal that we just bought is not going to cash flow for probably a year. It's a, it breaks even. Problem is I do so many freaking videos that it's like, good luck trying to find this video, right? Um, da, 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 da. So, the answer is yes. We are at a different level though. Remember that. When we first started, the number one thing we told people is never put yourself in a situation where you're not cash flowing on a property you hold. But as when you get to a certain, a different level, 
you can do all that. You can buy properties just because it uh, is a property you want to hold for a while. It just makes sense. Okay, here, here we are, right here. So this little deal, let me see if I can share the link. Copy link, boom. I broke down for 57 minutes right here, okay? I broke down for 57 minutes um, that exact deal, saying, yes, we do buy properties that don't cash flow. Every once in a while, we will. And we buy them because one, depreciation, right? Tax benefits. And the second reason is because we want to hold properties, right? Meanwhile, y'all are thinking, I got a cash flow and you've got cash sitting in your 401k losing 8% a year in, in, in freaking inflation. And I'm, you know, oh, here we go. Pasquale coming in here has a question. Pasquale, you better have a question, bro. This is not just for listening. You have a, raise your hand if you have a question. Pasquale, put it up in the air. Okay, yeah. There's always somebody. <laughs> um, okay, Seth Knapp says, where can one purchase the due on, sale uh, due on sale insurance? Closing on a deal in the next two weeks. You can go to equityassurance.org, equityassurance.org. We don't use them, but that is a company that you can go and use, uh, do all that on. Okay, uh, uh, Cody, this is actually an interesting question because you went on an appointment for a two or three unit deal the other day, I think. Kyle Robichaux says, Pace and Cody, what are your all thoughts on sing, uh, STR on single family rentals? Short term rental, short term, short -term rental. rentals. Sorry, on a small multifamily two to four unit. I love that. I mean, I, I think the thing is, like, for example, the duplex that we have in Mesa right now, Pace. So Kyle, we actually are in the process of rehabbing a duplex that we have. And on one side, when it's done, we're going to rent it to a long-term tenant for continued stable rent coming in every month. And then the other unit we're going to be having as a short-term Airbnb. Based on the location of it, it's right next to the Mormon church or actually a temple, Mormon temple, right next to a, a smaller ASU campus as well. So it's a really good location. And so... I think it makes a ton of sense. Kyle, we also have a property in downtown Phoenix that there's a front unit and a back unit. And that property, the last two months has netted us over $3,500 a month. And on a mortgage, I mean, the mortgage on it's only two grand a month and it's bringing in over five grand gross every single month. So I think it makes a lot of sense to be able to do short-term rentals on those, but it has to be the right area. Like Pace was talking about, I went on an appointment, my girlfriend, you know, had an appointment and I just was like, yeah, like it's Saturday, I'll go right over there with you. And this was in the ghetto. And so I probably wouldn't have that as an Airbnb. Um, but, you know, depending on the area, if there is reasons why people would actually want to be in that area. And, you know, this is like a D, D class neighborhood pace. So that was not really a great spot for an Airbnb. But generally, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Ooh, Justin bird. Can I use a standard purchase agreement contract with a sub two addendum? Sure. You sure can. And then three years later, when you have a lawsuit on your hands, you'll come back on Sunday service on episode 400 and you'll go, why did you tell me I could do that? So yeah, cause technically you can Justin, but why would you, why would you ever use the, the thing is there's a, there's about 20 disclosures that a seller needs to know on a subject two. Never, never buy a subject to deal with a, a standard purchase contract. Never. Technically, can you? Yes. 
I have a, a guy on my Instagram the other day crying, literally, literally crying on video saying that he used a standard purchase agreement. Now the seller's coming back after him like two weeks later saying they didn't truly understand what was going on. Horrible, horrible situation. Um, not one of my students. I'm like, you're obviously not a student. He's like, how did, how can you tell him? Like, cause my students aren't dumb. That's why. Um, but no, don't, please don't ever do that. Please. Um, okay. Can you assign a sub two with a standard assignment contract? No, you, you need to have an assignment contract that specifically spells out the fact that there is a sub two transfer because this, the buyer of a subject to subject to deal is also acquiring all the liabilities of an existing mortgage. Your assignment contract needs to specifically list all of those things out. Okay. Um, okay. What negotiating do you recommend when a seller wants to do a 10 year term versus the life of the loan? I have some ideas, but would like your input. Um, so that's another topic of another day. Um, I would love to talk about that for like literally a whole hour. You guys have seen me talk to sellers hundreds of times on the YouTube channel. My students have seen me watch, uh, seen those phone calls in their entirety. Um, so that's another topic for another day, to be honest. Have you ever given a sub two or seller finance deal back to the original seller? No, because mama didn't raise no bitch. <laughs> why, why would I buy a property and give it back to a seller? Um, how often do you think people buy a home to live in it and then they turn around and go, hey, realtor, can you give this back to the pre? Like, why would you give a house? Why would you give a cash flowing asset? Let's ask, let me ask a question back. Why would you give a cash flowing asset back to anybody? Why would you ever buy a deal that didn't cash flow? Right. Um, what are the basics needed to structure a sub two deal? How do you determine your price? The price is always determined by the cash flow of the property. So the question you need to ask is, how do I figure out the cash flow of a property? And if you want, we can do that next week. Okay. But again, guys, go to this link right here on my Instagram. Okay. You go to my Instagram, you guys will see a, um, a not a lead case, idiot. You will see a post on my Instagram that is of me right here, sharing the link to you guys right now. Again, this is for the people that weren't paying attention the first time we went through this. This, I think this is the biggest challenge of like doing a live thing is that you get people to just show up late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, you want to progress the conversation and it's 40 minutes into a deal and people are asking questions that were already answered. So guys, right here on this Instagram post, I show you how to underwrite and look at a deal. And in fact, the triplex, um, the Fayetteville triplex doesn't cash flow. And I showed you exactly why we came up with the price. I showed you every little deal of it. I'm going to take this, see this little thing called copy link. I'm going to close this out. I'm going to bring this over here. There's the answer to your question. Go figure out how to cash flow on a sub two deal. Okay. Um, all right. When you start off and you assign a few sub two deals, how much money would you recommend having saved before acquiring sub two deals for your portfolio? So Chris JB, this is a tough, this is an impossible question to answer because I don't know your personality. A personality like me is going to say $0, <laughs> right? Because I bought a cash flowing asset and I have money coming in from other areas. So if for some reason I ran into a, a challenge, do I really need having to have any money saved up? No, because I have I have the ability to make money 
from other revenue sources, right? I have multiple revenue sources. Even when we first bought our first deals, we had money coming in from our um, construction business. We had money coming in from our wholesale business. Like we never worried about saving money. But if Chris JB, your actual thing is like, I don't have any other income and I don't want to steal from my savings or I don't want to steal from my nine to five job, then I would make sure that you have at least a month, maybe two months of expenses for that property saved up before you get into it probably could be four, maybe $5,000, but we've never done that. In fact, there's times where our entire portfolio checking account is at zero because we just fixed a roof or we did a this or we did a that. Like it just depends on who you are and what resources and what income streams you have coming in. Okay. Um, you wouldn't give the home back. Fra yeah. Frankie says you wouldn't give the home back. Josh Colby says, how is the seller protected if I ever default? Deed and Lou? The seller is protected by the fact that majority of subject to deals are people that were in distress. So let's make sure you understand that, Josh, properly. Because I'm not knocking on somebody's house that doesn't have distress and is not in a no equity situation or they don't have a bad thing going on in their life. They've already been protected. You've taken an, a liability off their plate. Okay, we're not running in. In fact, the subject to deal that Cody was just talking about, the one that has two units, the front and back, that seller had three days until he lost his house, okay? So we caught up his arrears. We got his loan back into a good standing situation for his credit. He's already been protected. We've already taken care of him 10 times more. Worst case scenario is he got foreclosed on. If I then default, guess what? He's back in the exact same situation, actually better situation than he was before he ever met me. So none of these sellers are ever going to be in a worse situation than before they met you ever even if you default, okay? Understand that based on the actual situation that these sellers are currently going through, okay? Um, what are the basics that needed to structure? Okay, this has been answered multiple times, okay. Um, again, have you ever given a sub two or seller finance deal back to the original seller? The answer is no. When to go, what negotiating do you do when a seller wants to do a 10-year version? Okay, so she answered this question before. It's a really great question, but it is a longer um, thing. So we'll end up doing another topic about it. But we have actually here, check this out. We have four deals right here, okay? Seller on all of these, all four of these deals right here wanted a five-year balloon. And guess what we did? We signed and said, yes, we're good with a five-year balloon. Why did we do that? Well, I teach my students how to put it in a situation where the balloon will automatically extend if the house doesn't appraise for the original purchase price, okay? So the balloon, let's say that in five years, the market crashes and we go to refinance or sell the house and it doesn't appraise for what we originally bought the house for, then the balloon will automatically extend five years. Great question, okay? Um, really great question. A bunch of really, really good questions now. Decker Randolph says, Pace, I'm working on a deal now. After the deed is transferred in my LLC and I filed it, making it public, will the lender call the loan? Cody, will the lender call the loan on a subject to deal? No, there, there is no department at these big banks that are monitoring what's going on with the title. The only departments that are monitoring what's going on is if the payments are being received. And most of the time, if you've owned a home before, the bank that gave you the mortgage isn't even the bank that's servicing the debt. Like they, they, make, they, they create this loan and then they sell it to some other company that sells it to some other company. And then now you have this new servicer that all the servicer does is make sure that it's being paid this month 
I'm not worrying about anything. If it's not being paid, now they have a problem. That's really all they're paying attention to. They don't have departments for this stuff, guys. Yeah, Rob Robbins just asked a really great question. Good to see you on here, Rob. Love you, brother. I haven't seen you in a bit. Um, good to see you. I, I've seen you the last couple of weeks, but I haven't talked to you in person. I just love you and miss you, brother. Rob Robbins says, who at the bank is actually looking for that? That's a better question. There is no department at the bank looking for this at all. It does not exist. Have Cody, Cody, have we had the do on sale clause called on us? One time on a small bank deal. Like a, it's like a literally like small podunk bank. They have like two branches in Arizona only. Ooh, have we ever had a seller pay us to take their property subject to? The answer is yes. Um, you want me to show you? I get, I get a payment from him every single month. <laughs> a real, it's a really good one. Let's see it. Um, Venmo. Let's pull up the Venmo. Um, it's so good because I, I get it every single month, and it's from the same seller. Here we go. This has been going on for a very long time. Let me show you. The answer is yes. We, we have a seller right now paying us on a Vegas deal that we bought a year and a half ago. And if you look right here, uh, seller's name is Xavier Ailman, January. And um, let's see if I pull up um, Venmo and then I pull up Xavier. Let's pull that up. AX, AXV. Is that right? Am I spelling it right? AZX. No, AXV. There you go. So check it out. See this? goes on every single month. It goes on and on and on and on. Okay. That seller pays us every single month. He owed us five grand when we closed on his house subject to. That house is actually on Whispering Grove in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nets us. Here, let me find out. Let me see. Let me see what that one's making us real quick. Um, Cody, you want to find another question while I pull this one up? This is, is going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, so Chris is asking, <clears throat> what is the minimum amount of cash flow that you're looking for when acquiring? So as Pace was already talking about earlier, it's going to depend on your strategy. And part of that is understanding the market that you're doing business in. So with taking those two things into consideration, for us, generally, we're looking for about $350 a month in net cash flow per deal is what we're looking to do. Now, obviously, Pace talked about we will buy some deals that don't reach that amount for other reasons. But it's because we have a portfolio that's already cash flowing very positively over all the different properties that we have that I wouldn't ever as your first deal that you're buying be in a negative cash flow situation. Like the first deal you want to get, you want to be making sure that you're in a good cash flow situation. So that's something that you have to understand. Um, all right, let's see what other questions that we have here. Oh, I have a, I have a property that I just lost. Um, let's see, hold on. You just lost. Last, let's see, man, I lost money on last month on my Airbnb. Hold on. Let me pull this up. This is a good one. I'll show it to you guys. Probably some repairs. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. We'll take a look at it. It's surprisingly actually surprising actually, because it's such a good property. It's, it's so steady Eddie, but this is the first time in a year that it's had a negative month, but let me show it to you guys. Might as well give you guys a full transparency. By the way, guys get a good freaking bookkeeper. Stop. I, you, I've literally, I don't do any of this stuff myself. Okay. So you can see, check it out. So last November, um, 
Why was this, Cody, why do you think this $3,600 was so steady, Eddie, right here? Did you have someone that rented it for like four or five months in a row? Yeah. And then I decided, I was like, well, look, I, I realized I was actually losing money going that route because look at these other months. Seven, June was $7,500. Mm -hmm. Okay. $7,500. So I kind of feel like December almost didn't complete itself. Let's see. I must've had an expense in there. Okay. So you guys can see right here, here's the mortgage Lakeview loan servicing. So this is the company. Can you see, read it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could read is it. it too small? No, I could read it. I, I was just looking at specifics. <laughs> here, let me make it a little bit bigger. This yeah, maybe a little that bigger. looks better. Okay. So here's the mortgage. So $1,514 and 63 cents every single month. Okay. And by the way, this is after my Airbnb manager takes his chunk. Okay. So this is after all that. Okay. So check this out. I lost $455 in December this month. Oof. What the heck? But you know what? Um, let's see what I let's, months. You had some good months though. Yeah, I had some good months. Let me pull this one up. This is a property that this sell this is the seller that pays us $147 a month. So let's go through November uh, December to December. Made $18,000 net. Right here, you can see the numbers right here. $18,000 net on a property that the seller pays us $147. Interesting, huh? That does not suck. That does not suck. So not only did the, is the seller still paying us every single month on that property, I control his mortgage. That mortgage that we pay to Lakeview Servicing Company is actually his VA loan, by the way. That's a VA loan. A lot of people are like, oh, you can't do VA loans. Well, that's a VA loan. That mortgage I never qualified for. I, that property has been owned for nearly two years. The seller is still paying us $147 every single month. P Peter says, um, you are a God. I would say, um, by the way, rule of Go Ghostbusters rule, if anybody ever asks you, are you a God? The answer is always yes. Okay, that's what the, that's the, the line is in uh, Ghostbusters. So, um the answer to um, that is yes, we are really good at this. We've done just about every type of transaction. We have proof of it. Like there we have addresses, we have spreadsheets, we have actual income. Guys, if you're learning anything from anybody on online, by the way, there's a guy on YouTube who I actually really respect. I'm not going to say his name, really respect him. And he constantly is talking about not buying properties, not buying subject to deals with title insurance. Says don't pay for title insurance. Then I get somebody on my DMs, one of his students goes through and is like DMing me over and over and over and over. He's like, can you please help me? Can you please help me? Can you please help me? My mentor told me not to buy title insurance. His closing attorney only clo closed escrow and, and um, did the sub two on one mortgage, not the other. They didn't even know there was a second mortgage. They never even pulled title. Crazy, 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 crazy. Um, so guys, if you guys want to, Cody, is, are we telling people they can use Tony counts or is that not something we want? Uh, for bookkeeping? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people can go get on, on the, on the waiting list. He's taking new clients that are company, um, you know, at start virtual They're She's running the team that's doing bookkeeping over at start virtual. Okay, cool. So let me pull that call. up real quick. So hire a VA um, bookkeeping. Okay, great. Let me pull this up because yeah, I get I there's two people. There's two people that asked, um, "Who's your accountant?" 
So let me show this with you guys real quick. Might as well take the time since we're here. So this is the company that I use for um, running all my spreadsheets. I don't create those spreadsheets. I don't track those spreadsheets. I literally, that um, sheet that I gave you, or I showed you guys a little bit earlier, let me pull it up for you real quick. It is pretty amazing because I can pull up my financials, which I'll share here in just a second. Um, I can pull up my financials. And not only do I get a, an accounting of one property, I get a, an accounting of every single property and I log in and all my stuff is up to, up to date. So let me give you the link. If you guys are looking for a bookkeeper, here you go. Startvirtual.com forward slash bookkeeping page. It's in the link over here on the side. You guys need a bookkeeper. It's like a couple hundred bucks a month. They'll do all this stuff for you. So check this out. I don't, need to know my net. I don't need to like track my net worth or go to like mint.com or like track any of my expenses. Literally, I log into this spreadsheet whenever I want. And this spreadsheet will share, show me my net worth down to the penny. So Cody and I right now are getting qualified for uh, commercial loans for all that kind of stuff. And you guys can see down here at the bottom, um, you can see all of these other properties, okay? We can go through and I can just go through property after property after property and I can show you all the properties that are owned and all the properties and how much money we make on them, how much equity we have, how much depreciation we've taken on those. Guys, get a freaking bookkeeper. My gosh. All right, cool. Does title search reveal all liens against the property or is there another way of looking for liens against the property? Cody? The title search, yes, should show all the liens against the property, but you still want to get title insurance because if there, if the title company pulls a report today and then three days later, something gets recorded against the property and then you close on that property, you're going to have a situation. So that's where you always want to get title insurance because they're going to pull it, make sure everything is clear. And then you're getting that insurance to ensure that if anything happened or if there was anything missed, that you're going to be protected. So you, yes, you still want to get title insurance, and but yes, the they should be pulling all of the active liens or any active anything against the property that would inhibit you or make you not want to buy it. Um. Yes. Okay. So check this out. Um, Kathy Mitchell says, "I found a duplex that the owner owes three owns three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Estimated value of the property is eight hundred forty seven thousand. My question is, how much would should you offer them? So Kathy. I don't even have to know much about the situation to know that you've never even spoken to the seller. Would you agree with that, Cody, based on the question she's asking? Could you, would you bet me $500 Kathy's never even spoken to the seller? Yeah, probably not. I mean, just, I feel like that it's one of the common things people do is they try to look and put together a scenario without digging in to see if there's actually even an opportunity there. Yeah. And it's a lot of people that like, there's two different, there's a difference between looking for deals. There's on market and off market opportunities. And what's happening is Kathy doesn't know how to generate leads, which Kathy, I'm not, I'm not getting on top of you about it at all. It just highlights what you probably need a little bit of help with. You need to be looking for off market properties, right? 99.9% .9 of the deals that Cody and I buy and all these other investors that you see online buy we're buying off market, right? We're cold calling, we're texting, we're, you know, bandit. So we don't do bandit signs, but other people do bandit signs, direct mail, postcards, whatever. 
you need to be marketing to these sellers and actually having conversations with them so that the question is, hey, Pace, I spoke to a seller who owns a duplex. They want to sell it for X, Y, and Z. What, how should I negotiate with them is a better question. But you're asking them a, a question about what should I offer them um, without actually having a conversation. And what that means, Kathy, is you probably went on Zillow or you went on Redfin or you went on um, an online website and the house is probably listed with a realtor. I would say you're going, the, you're going down the wrong rabbit hole, okay? The easiest place to find a subject to, guys, write this down. You guys want to find a subject to deal? Here's the easiest place to find a subject to deal. I'll, I'll give you the top three places, okay? Number one, best place to find a subject to deal is from my existing student base, okay? Cody and I buy deals from our students, our mastermind students, all over the country. Like if I want to deal tomorrow in Iowa, I call up my students in Iowa, Okay. So if you want to be in front of my students or in front of our students, I'm sorry. If you want to be in front of our students, go to Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group and say, where are Pace's students? Where are Cody's students? Where are the people who can get, send me a deal? Okay, if you just want to buy a deal, okay? That's the number one best place to go. Literally every single week, we could buy five sub two deals any part of the country just because of the students that we have taught over the last couple of years. Okay. Um, our favorite skip trace resource, Cody, who, who would you say is our current favorite skip trace resource? Uh, batch leads. Okay. Batch leads.io forward slash pace is a discount code. I think it gives you 500 text messages for free. And I think it gives you the disc, like the skip tracing for really, really inexpensive. Um, okay. So number one is, there we go. Christina, she just sold us a deal. Christina says, I'm a mastermind student here. Just closed a deal with Pace and Cody on New Year's Eve. And that's a sub two deal. I never had to call the seller. Didn't have to negotiate. Literally, Christina brought that deal to us. We bought the deal. Very simple. Okay. Get in front of other people that actually are buying deals. And that's one of the biggest reasons you guys should be on Sunday service is so that you guys can meet all the sub two students in the side chat. Stop being all timid and shy. Get in the side chat and meet some people that are doing deals. Christina, right there, can help you guys out. If you're not a sub two student, reach out to my existing sub two students. Okay. That's number one. Cody, if I had to go out and get a sub two deal, forget about number one because number one's too easy. Go to the sub two students. It's too easy. If I told you today, Cody, I would give you $10,000 if you could find a sub two deal, where would you go to find it? Like almost guaranteed to find a sub two deal. I mean, fastest ways initially it comes to my head. Zillow for sale by owners, finding the Facebook for sale by owners that have, they just bought the property within the last year. They have no equity, so they can't even sell it on the open market. That would be, that would be the first place I would go. Second place would be expired listings or canceled listings, which I would look at the people that haven't that bought it within the last year and are now just trying to sell it no equity again, because they can't sell it any other way without writing a check to sell the property. And then my third option would be going to pre foreclosures. There we go. I would I would choose pre foreclosures number one, because I mean, if you think about it, the majority of the deals, I'd say 60 70% of the sub two deals we've bought were in some sort of um, foreclosure situation. Yeah, for sure. Right. So I would go to batchleads.io forward slash pace, get your discount. Yes, we do get paid sushi money for that. I think we get paid like five bucks every time somebody signs up for that. Um, it helps pay for like Cody's fancy Lululemon clothes and you know, his, his date nights and all that stuff with his girlfriend. 
but um, batchleads.io forward slash pace. And then I would go in there and pull a list of foreclosure properties. Cody, is that pretty easy to do actually? Yeah. I mean, it, you can watch a one minute demo and learn how to do it. It's very easy. Okay. So batchleads.io forward slash pace. Um, do you have a demo somewhere? I have a YouTube video on my channel showing exactly how to use the entire batch leads platform. Okay. Then put it, put the, put the link in the side chat here All right. so um, people can, can use it. Okay. I'll grab it. Um, for me. So number one place, if I'm going to find a sub two deal, like it's a cheat code. Now somebody, if somebody says pace, you have to get a deal by the end of the day today, I would go great. Go to my sub two Facebook group, the private Facebook group with all the students and say, Hey guys, I need a deal. And I would be overwhelmed. In fact, I almost want to go in there right now on screen share and just go and be like, watch how fast I can get a deal done in my private Facebook group. It's so crazy. Um, I just posted in the chat, the YouTube video showing exactly how to set up and utilize Batsley. And so for any of you that want to go ahead and take action on that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, thank you for that. All right, so guys, check this out. So you can see our sub two, look, our sub two students actually got together yesterday. Don, freaking be, look at freaking Jason, oh my gosh. Templar, bro, Templars, I love them. Our sub two family is a is legitimately a family of people, okay? Um, Munif got three, um, I challenged Munif the other day, by the way, I told Munif uh, a couple of months ago, I go, you need to get your own Airbnb before the end of the year. And he got ended up getting three Airbnbs, all creative finance. Boom, 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 boom. But guys, this is where I would go right here. Um, unfortunately, this is part of our private mentorship and it's not available to, but I'm just saying that's where I would go is I would find people who are actively doing sub to seller finance, novation agreements, all of that kind of stuff. That's where I would go. Okay. Number one, number two, where would I go? I would go to wholesale hotline and Sunday service. And I would go in the side chat and go, Hey guys, I'm not a student, but I want help. Please help me. Please help me. Number three, I would go to one of our challenges. We just did a challenge, the driving for deals challenge a couple months ago. We did the, um, we did another challenge of zero to hero season one. We're going to do another challenge on February 15th, I believe it is. Is that right, Cody? I can't remember. But anyway, we're going to be doing another challenge. So I would be coming to our live events. Okay. The fourth place I would go is going to now require me to spend some money for marketing. Okay. So the first three places don't even require you to spend any money. Okay. Go to my sub two students in the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group Two. Go to our uh, Sunday service, a wholesale hotline, and get to know the students in the side chat. Um, number three, go to um, wholesale hotline. And, or I'm sorry, that's number three. So, number three is um, wholesale hotline and um, Sunday service. Number four, no, I'm sorry. One is creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. Get to know the students. Number two is Sunday service and wholesale hotline. And number three is go to our challenges that we do probably four to six challenges a year where we show you guys how to start this business from scratch. Number four is now going to cost you some money. Number four is going to batchleads.io forward slash pace and then watching that demo and pulling foreclosures. And what does that mean? Pulling foreclosures means getting a list of all the sellers, 
all the homeowners in a specific geographical area that are in foreclosure means they're behind on their payments. Okay. It's one of the easiest ways to get deals, but it's going to cost you some money. And that's a big challenge for a lot of people. Oh, uh, I think I know, Sam, I think you sent this over to me. This is the one for has six people paying $750 a month in each room. And I didn't want to do it. Um, but it, that is, it sounds like a really good deal. Josh Corby says, newbie question. How do you pay arrears? Do you just write a check to the bank? No. Uh, yes, Josh, actually we borrow the money from a private investor. All of our sub two deals are done with no money. Okay. So a lot of times when you're brand new, people think, oh my gosh, the arrears, the closing costs, the cleanup, the renovation, the this, that, and the other, I got to spend all this money to get the property up and going. That is not how Cody and I do it. Cody and I do it by borrowing money from our uncles or our aunts or our sisters or our cousins. Okay. Whoever it's from, we borrow money. We we've done it on credit cards as well. And we'll borrow that money on those types of types of deals. We've done a lot of deals, zero down, zero cash out of pocket with no lenders. Done a lot of those deals. But when a deal does actually require you to catch up the arrears, you do not send the money to the bank. You open escrow, right? You work with a title company and the title company sends the money to um, pay off the arrears. Okay. Um, here we go. Agnes Legacy, thank you so much, says, join the mentorship and you will get a whole lot more than you pay for. I do really appreciate that. Cody and I fight hard to provide a tremendous amount of value. In fact, Cody and I were just talking about um, doing this really cool thing. So a lot of you guys know that Cody and I are investors in startvirtual.com, right? It's where we get our cold callers from, our texters, our admin, our social media VAs, startvirtual.com. And so what we decided is that going forward after next week, I don't know what the next step would be on this, Cody, by the way, but Cody offered to donate four virtual assistants to um, the sub two mentorship to generate eight to 12 leads every single day for students to practice on real leads. Cody's like, why don't we just sponsor that? Why don't we just have Start Virtual just sponsor that? We want to provide so much value to the sub two um, students and the mastermind students. Let's just sponsor that. I'm like, bro, that's thousands of dollars every month. Like we're going to have to go get another Airbnb just to cover that cost, maybe two. He's like, no, bro, let's do it. So going forward next week, we're going to be doing nightly dials. A lot of sub two students know about daily dials. It's where Caroline Kane and all the leaders inside of sub two do role playing every single morning for four hours. Um, actually, let me pull it up. I've been doing a lot of screen sharing today, bro. I don't know what it is, what's gotten into me. I'm just freaking crazy on the screen share shit. All, all the things, all the things, all the things. Okay. So let me show you guys what is in store. If you are not a sub two student, let me show you what we do inside of sub two. It'll help you understand why so many sub two students feel like they get way more than they pay for. Um, and it is right here. So um, in the mornings, obviously East Coast, West Coast, we do two hours of role play, two hours of role play every single day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. This is Caroline Kane in these areas. Then um, starting on the 10th of January, we will be doing nightly dials for four hours every night where the leaders and Dan Quijano, one of our students have been in the program a really long time. Guys, by the way, everything green on this screen are live Zooms that our students get every single week, okay? 
most mentorships do one call every two weeks um, and then they kick you out after six months. Our mentorship is, let's see, eight hours. On average, our mentorship does 12 hours of live Zooms every day. And then the nightly dial, this is what Cody decided he wanted to sponsor is he's going to generate eight to 12 leads every single night for students who are not great at negotiating with sellers He's going to generate leads so that those students can actually call sellers. And so we'll pull foreclosure lists. We'll pull all the creative finance lists and we'll get people trained and, and rocking and rolling. Okay. Oh, I love Chuck. this. Chuck says, thanks, Cody. I just emailed Hafizbo for sale by owner on Zillow in the neighborhood. I've been looking for a deal. Action taker. I mean, that. I love when people actually take action from this. It makes me so happy. I actually had, so I did a one-on-one -on -one with Chuck Boyce last week. I won't tell you any real big story because I don't want to like unmask the superhero, but Chuck Boyce is a pretty legitimate dude. Um, we actually have a call with him tomorrow about creating a new business together. I told you about it over the phone. You just won't remember without me. Um, maybe you did. Do you remember what I talked to you about? Yeah, I remember uh, the statutory agent. Yeah, there you go. So Chuck Chuck Boyce is the dude, super action taker, um, legitimate legitimate guy. Love it. Um, Solomon says, "Hey guys, happy new year! I'm not a sub two student, and I'm looking to connect. So sub two students, you know what we do? We help people out. So please help them out." Um, Hector says, "Hey Larry Baker, if I if you want to be a sub two student, I can send you the info. I am a sub two student. Awesome. So." Um, Enrique says, Pace literally gives millions away. That is very true. Literally, we give a lot of money away. So what we're going to be doing um, this coming week on, or this next week on January 10th, all sub two students understand that we're going to be doing four hours every single evening, Monday through Friday, plus four hours on Saturday of actually calling sellers and showing you guys how to work through a CRM. We're going to be bringing in the owner of the CRM to walk you through of how to manage a CRM. And a lot of somebody is going to be in the audience saying, what is a CRM? Well, guys, when you're working with a lot of sellers and you're generating leads and you have to do follow up and you can't remember notes and what the seller's favorite cookie was and what that seller's favorite color is, a customer relationship manager or a CRM is what's going to allow you to stay on topic when you have these conversations with sellers, it's going to keep your notes for you. It's going to tell you when your updates are. It's going to tell you what's going on with the transaction. It's going to house all the information about your business is in a CRM. And so the CRM company is actually donating the CRM to Sub2. Cody is going to be donating four Start Virtual Virtual Assistants to Sub2. And starting January 10th, Every single evening, Dan Quijano and other students are going to be calling these sellers. And what's, why do we do that? Here's why we're doing it. Because there's so many people that have a hard time with analysis paralysis. I'm curious, Cody, even though you're an integrator, right? And like most integrators are over analytical. I would say you're not an over analytical person. I feel like you're an action taker, like you always have been. Yeah, I mean... Depends on the, the thing, but as far as like business stuff goes, like I just I just want to do the thing and you just get it done. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. I've never that's never been a thing um, in our relationship. I've never worried about that with you, even though most analytical people will just like be analysis paralysis. Like I'm a fe I'm fearful of loss. I'm fearful of losing money. I'm fearful of failing. I'm like you kind of already are failing, and you kind of already are losing. 
um, your life, the most cherished asset you own, you're losing it every day and not doing what you should be doing. So congratulations, you've already lost. But what happens is we are constantly looking for ways for people to get over their fears. And if they have a fear of loss, like I'm going to lose money on leads or I'm going to lose money on the cost of a CRM or I'm going to lose money on whatever, what we do inside of our mentorship is we make sure that people have no excuse to take action. And so that's why we're donating four virtual assistants that will be cold calling and texting, generating leads. And then we're donating the CRM as well. And not only that, but we're bringing in additional training just for those four hours every single day. So if you're a sub two student and you're, you have a night job, guess what? You have four hours in the morning you can practice. Um, with hundreds of other students simultaneously on a live Zoom. It's a, an amazing community. And if you have a morning shift, guess what you can do? You can be on the nightly dials where you get to take a turn calling leads that we generate with um, money out of our pocket. Cool. Um, newbie in Ohio looking to connect. A lot of people are wanting to connect. So, um, Ooh, where's the sub two student link? Well, all Clay, all the students are here in the side chat. If you just want to get to know students, um, I would just link up with people in the side chat. If you're asking of how to become a student, um, the link is right also there in the side chat. So why subject two? Let's answer that question just for a couple more minutes. I know this has gone a little bit longer than we normally do on our podcast, but why, Cody, why has, how has subject two changed our investment investment strategy and how much faster can you buy properties with subject two? I mean, it just shortens the curve, especially when you're just getting started in the business. Like you're able to actually buy deals. Like you can go contract a seller tomorrow close within a week to two weeks and you're the owner of that property and you could have that as a rental you can have that as an airbnb within a couple of weeks if you go the traditional route of having to go get a loan with the bank with you know doing the burr method which we do the burr method and it's a good method but it's not the greatest method for when you're trying to get traction like jared frankham saying um it's gonna you know i don't know if he's saying it helps you take action but you know, the, the subject to method, it allows you to get into deals faster. And I just look back even just two years ago at a handful of properties that were bought subject to, and it's like literally over a million dollars in equity, just between a few different properties that were bought sub to private money lenders funded them, not with our debt either. And we got all the benefit of that. I mean, Cody, Benny Romo says is sub two good for beginners in real estate. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're a beginner that has no money, you should do sub two and sell those deals to other investors that have money. If, you, if you're just broke as broke can be, you should go get those deals and sell them to other experienced investors. So and you're telling me that you can assign or wholesale a subject to deal. You don't have to physically buy it. 100%. 100%. Okay. Okay, guys. So pay attention to this. Cody just told you, Creative finance is the lowest barrier of entry into real estate. And here's why. Wholesale is incredibly oversaturated, incredibly oversaturated. Um, I'm not coming from a place of um, scarcity. It just, when you call, cold call sellers and you're calling on foreclosures and all that kind of stuff, if you don't have a different thing to say to a seller other than, would you like a cash offer? You are literally like every other investor that's calling them 30, 40, 50 times a day. 
they turn off their phones because of how many phone calls they're getting. You need to have a different angle of attack. You can't just be the guy that's sitting there saying, I can pay cash for your house in 10 days or less. Okay. Creative finance. Do we wholesale guys? Do we do cash deals? Yes. All the time. Cody and I and Matt, our business partner in our real estate um, wholesale business, we do wholesale deals all the time, but creative finance gives you an angle and a level of competition above your competition where you're just like, you walk into appointments feeling like you're a God. He's like, watch me get this contract because I'm offering more money than anybody else. Okay. Um, yes. It's not only for beginners. It is like the easiest way to get your first deal. You remember how many people that like came to us a couple of years ago when we were doing those whiteboard sessions in the halls that would be like, dude, I would been trying to wholesale for three years and I come and do my first sub two deal in like, two days. Yeah. It's and crazy. Sell it to us. Yeah. And sell it to us. Um, Cody, are you in Pace's guest house? I am currently staying in Pace's guest house, but I, I walked over to the main house to do the live from Pace's office. So yes, I am staying in the guest house. Thank you, Pace. Um, while I wait for my house to be done being remodeled. So are you guys, en are you guys enjoying the time? Yeah, it's Over the there. best. It's great. Like comfy bed, like got all the all the amenities, everything, everything we could need. Love it's it. Great. Um, ooh, okay, here we go. How do you acquire a property when a seller wants cash out, not sub two? Um, how do you acquire a property when a, a house a seller wants cash out? Okay, well, you could do a couple of things. This is another topic for another day. Yeah, it's like a whole we're gonna open up like a rabbit hole here. Cody's like, please don't. Um, ooh, this is really good. Isaiah says, Pace, could you go into detail on the giveaway you have where you are the winner, you fly out and help them build a business in person? Um, no, I don't know when we're going to do it, Isaiah. Um, I don't talk about this a lot, but I am on a TV show with A&E and unfortunately A&E controls my life. Um, I don't see that, say that with any animosity. I appreciate A&E. I am so grateful to be on a TV show. Um, for a very long time in 2021, we were the number one TV show on A&E. And it's impossible for me to tell you how um, my life is when that TV show is going. And so the post that I made about three or four months ago talking about, hey, we want to do this and we want to choose somebody to, to go and build their business for 30 days. I want to do it, Isaiah. I desperately do want to do this. And I know we've talked about this on sub, on um, Instagram DMs as well, Isaiah. I don't know my schedule, okay? They wait for months to give us updates. They wait till the last minute to renew us for season two. They don't communicate with us like you would expect them to communicate with, with you, okay? So as much as I want to fly out and choose somebody to just build their business for, it would be absolutely amazing to do that. It is on one of the very, very tippy top of our to-do list. It cannot be done in the midst of filming and it can't be done in the midst of my wife being eight, eight months pregnant. So we're going to do it sometime in 2022. We just don't know when. Okay. Um, Teresa says, I'm not a student, but I would like to ask for some help. I'm looking to buy in Fort Myers Beach for myself. Any help would be appreciated. Also, I want to start sub two business in general. Cool. Um, here's a good one. Um, Cody, what's your preferred strategy once the sub two has been paid off? 
Like when the loan's been paid off? Yeah, it's a it's a trick question because the answer is we'll never pay them off. We'll just keep refinancing them and out, out and pulling out debt. Yeah, you keep pulling out the debt so you can use that debt for other stuff because once you sell it, then you have to pay the gain on the property. Yeah, or roll it forward, figure out or something roll to roll it, it forward to. Else. Yeah. So Claudio, um, Cody and I just refinanced out seven properties about a month ago. We use, uh, we've talked about this all the time. We use a company called myinvestorloan.com. I'm going to say that one more time for people. You cannot even believe how many people will DM me after the show and go, Hey, how did, what was the name of that website? It's called investorloan.com. Guys, it's myinvestorloan.com. That's who we use for our cash out refinances and our long-term debt. They actually do our fix and flips now too, which is cool. Yep. So um, we just had seven properties that were subject to and seller finance that had upcoming balloons. And Cody made the decision, hey, you know what? Interest rates are really low. So we went to my investor loan that don't base your loans off of your credit worthiness. They base your loans off the asset themselves. We got new loans paid off the old sub two loans similar interest rates in some cases better mm. and pulled out a bunch of cash to then go buy more properties with. And why would we pull out cash rather than pay them off? Guys, nobody wealthy is paying off their debts. Look at Robert Kiyosaki. Doesn't own anything free and clear. You continually, as the properties go up in value and your tenants pay off the loans, you continually pull that cash out because that cash is not a gain that cash is a loan. Therefore, you don't even pay taxes on that money. So the strategy is continually own the properties, continually maintain them, uh, pull out the appreciation and use that appreciation to go build more and more and more wealth. Okay. Ooh, tell them about the sale that you did. Oh, I missed this one. Tell them about the sale you did. Hold on. I, I saw that. Okay. Tell them about the sale you did that a wholesaler couldn't do trailer. Oh man, there's so many stories about wholesalers not being able to buy a trailer and we bought we buy them. Oh, this was a this was the deal on um what's the deal we did? Uh Adobe that we bought from Brent Daniels because he couldn't, he's like, there's no equity, I can't do oh, it. You not, Pueblo. Pueblo. Same thing. Pueblo, Adobe, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Native American streets. Um that property, we ended up buying that, I think, subject to after a little renovation, we were into it $69,000, not cash. That's like the we took over the loan and we brought in a private lender at like 69 grand. We sold that thing for like $185,000 or $190,000. We made 100 grand on a mobile home that people were like, there's no equity in this deal. And what's funny is even though we made $100,000 plus interest on that $100,000, I think now, what was that a year ago? We probably yeah. undersold that house. Yeah. I mean, as of today's market, yes. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It makes you not want to sell anything right now. I know. It makes me not want to sell anything either. Right. And it's crazy. Like this is, this is why sub two is dope. I'll pull up a couple of properties for you guys. So you guys can see some of them. Let's look up. Um, and we'll finish, the, we'll finish the show in five minutes. So I pulled this one up a lot because it's the house that I just moved out of. And I moved into the house I'm currently in. And I like this one. It's a great story. Answers a lot of questions. A lot of the questions that newbies have, this house ends up answering a lot of those questions. And so 
it just makes sense. I bring it up all. Oh my gosh, this estimate is now over six hundred thousand dollars. I bought it. <laughs> I bought it for three seventy two. Silly. Um, literally like two years and one month ago. Two years and one month ago, I bought it for three seventy two seven eighty eight. Cody, why is it such a random dollar amount? Why is it so specific? Because it's the sub two. It's the loan that you took over, or the loan that you bought sub two, basically. Yeah, so I took over the existing loan. The seller's name is Dave. You guys saw the deed earlier in the show. And look what the property is now worth. Cody, but since since that's Dave's mortgage that I took over, doesn't Dave get all the, the appreciation? No, he's not on title anymore. You're the real owner of the property. After right, I am the heard. real owner of this property. I wonder if it shows who the new owner... Does it show the new owner on Zillow? No. No? Okay. So... um. This property went up $225,000, a little bed, three bed, two bath. It's now a four bed, two bath. We turned into a fourth bedroom, but um, it now has $225,000 sitting in there. I almost would be stupid not to refinance it. Do, don't you agree? I mean, yeah, you can pull that money out and do something else with it. How much money could I pull out on that 603? How much could I get a loan for typically with my investor loan? Like for up to 480, probably. So I could pull out a hundred thousand dollars on that property right now. Yeah. What would I do with that hundred thousand dollars? Go buy two other properties with it, probably. Freaking crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Freaking crazy. Um, okay, so let's pull up another one. This one's the one I bought a year ago. Actually, let's pull up Whispering Grove. Whispering Grove is a really good one because Whispering Grove. Um, all right. This one's a good one because this is the one that the seller is paying us a hundred and whatever. Let's see. Oh, I got an HOA violation on it. That's great. <laughs> okay. So 971, this was a couple, oh, that's from May. 971 Whispering Grove Avenue in, in, uh, Atlanta, or not Atlanta. Sorry guys. Uh, 971. Okay, perfect. Let's pull this one up. This one was bought about a year and a half ago. I don't even, I don't know how much it's gone up in value, but let's just pull it up and see what's happened. Okay. hundred grand. I'm not upset. Oh, it's a year and a half later. I made a hundred thousand dollars on that one or Co Cody and I got a hundred grand plus that one makes 20 grand a year. You guys remember we pulled up the spreadsheet and showed you it netted $19,000 last year in cash flow. This is a property that we bought at full retail, gave the seller $0. The zero, the seller pays us $150 a month on top of us making two, $3,000 a month, which is crazy. Another one that I really like, um, my, one of my favorite ones, let's see what Maddox is for right now. This is one of my favorite houses. I just love Atlanta so much. So oh, it's 75 Maddox. Okay. So this one hasn't gone up as much as I, you would want it to, but it's gone up 175,000 in a year. It's not bad. But what's great about this property is this property makes like $10,000 a month. So guys, creative finance is an easy way. We don't use our credit. We don't use our credentials. We don't use any of our own cash. 
we're buying properties from people and solving a problem every single time. Has Cody, has there ever been a, a time where we've bought a house subject to or in seller finance where we didn't solve somebody's problem at a very high level? Oh, no, never. Not a normal seller is just like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, I'll sell it to you with, you know, not solving any of my problems. Those people are going to sell in the MLS and sell, you know, listing it with an agent. Yeah. Um, okay, so Angel, anybody here in Yuma, Arizona? Angel, we own 70 doors in Yuma, Arizona. Okay. We have 70 doors in Yuma, Arizona. Stephen Crawford is one of our students down in Yuma, Arizona. You need to get to know him. Okay. Um, let's see. How did you find John Birch? Same way we find all of our sellers, through a distressed list. So Pam Cleary, let me answer this one for you one more time. If I want to find a subject to seller finance deal, I'm going to be looking for a distressed list. Okay. And if you guys want us to, Cody, you want us, you want to pull a list next week and just show people how to pull a yeah, list? I'm down. Let's do it. Do you guys want to, guys, vote, go in the side chat and just say, yes, pull a list, pull a list, pull a list, and we'll pull a list for you to next week and we'll give the list away. In fact, actually, here's what we'll do I'll spend $1,000 on a list next week. Okay, I'll spend $1,000 on the list next week and I'll give that list to our sub two students. And you have to connect with my sub two students to get that list. It will force you to network with the sub two students. Okay, because there's a lot of people that are in the side chat that are like, well, how do I get these lists? What is a list? Here's what a list is for people that are brand new. It is literally an except. Cody, do you have a list that you can pull up somewhere and show people what a list looks like? I do. I'm on your computer, so I, I otherwise I would have normally said yes. Okay, I, I have one. I'll pull one up real fast. I actually just pulled this one the other day. It's every mobile home park in um, every mobile home park in Southern Florida. Let me pull this up so you guys can see what a list looks like. A lot of people just don't know, and that's okay. Um, this file cannot be previewed because you're offline. Um, obviously that's not the case. Um, okay, well, let's pull it up. You guys can see it's literally an Excel file, everybody. So let's share that one more time. And I'm going to pull that Excel file up and you guys can just see what a list looks like. Okay. And this list, um, every list is very specific. You can pull a list of mobile home parks. If you want to buy mobile home parks, you can pull a list of um, distressed sellers. Cody, what would be a, a list of distressed sellers? Like, give me a, a handful of types of distress. Pre-foreclosure, probate, tax default, code violation. So people that are going through foreclosure typically lost their job or something bad's going on. Guys, I just showed you a list. It's a list of sellers' names, their phone numbers, the address of the property they own. And what we do is we reach out to those sellers. We call them, we text them, we direct mail them. Sometimes we door knock, whatever it takes. And we go have a conversation with those sellers. If a seller is in foreclosure, it's almost an, it's almost an impossibility that I can't get a sub two on that deal. It's almost, it's like a lay down. Okay. If I told Matt Beard, our partner, Matt, go find me a sub two deal tomorrow out in the field. You know what Matt would do? Matt would pull a list of foreclosure, foreclosed houses or houses that are about to get foreclosed on and Matt would go call and meet those sellers and get a contract tomorrow. That's how easy it is to get us up to and I'm not exaggerating. 
In 2019, when Matt first started working for us, Matt's, Matt might be in the comments tonight. I'm not sure. But we got 19, 15, and 17 sub two deals in October, November, and December two years ago. 19, 17, 15 deals, or 19, 15, 17. I can't remember. But well over 40 deals, like nearly 50 deals on sub two in three months. That's not including all the cash deals we did as well. It was right before COVID hit. Okay. It was absolutely crazy just watching how easy it was. And the only list we used was foreclosure. So if you're going to go after sub two or creative finance deals, um, Cody, do we do any REOs? No. Why not? I mean, they're not, there's not that many of them and most of them are being listed at retail prices. So Kevin Cho, one of our students in Vegas, um, just took this guy. What's what, here's what I'm upset about with Kevin Cho. Okay. I just took Kevin Cho to Nobu, probably the most, not probably. He told me, he's like, I've never gone to a dinner that's cost over $200. This dinner costs $1,300 for four people. No alcohol, $1,300. Homeboy has three sub two deals going on right now. Cody, did you get a text message from Kevin? I did not get. I didn't get a text message from Kevin. Kevin, you're not selling us a sub two deal, bro. I, I, what do you expect me to do? I'm going to go buy expensive sushi and not get a, get a sub two deal out of it. <laughs> good. That's really good, bro. I'm proud of you. Good job. Doing a really good job. Um, Co Cody, do we always call or do we text first? Both. There, there's no one or the other. We're going to be having our virtual assistants cold call the data, and we're also going to be having them text it. There's no one or the other. It's, I mean, if the option is one or the other, and it's a lead that you, if it's one lead, you need to call, like call them. Don't, don't wait for a text back. It's like speed to the deal. Okay. So Teresa, this is a great question. It's very valid, but here, let me ask you a question. Cody and I make a lot of money. All real estate investors make a lot of money. Okay. Relatively, right? Some investors make a couple hundred grand. Some investors make millions. Okay. Do you think we care about whether we have a batch leads account and a prop stream account? The answer is no, we don't. And I, for a long time, I would just tell people just get, just get batch leads. We use both. Okay. I don't know your personality, Teresa, but I'm very appreciative that you asked this question because it allows me to answer this question this way. Cody, what grocery store have you always used in your life? Multiple. Hold on. You're not going to just one grocery store because it just fits all your needs. It gives you everything you, you want. I mean, you go, you go to Sam's Club or Costco because you need a hundred roll thing of toilet paper. You go to Walmart because it's convenient and there's a hundred of them all over the place. Great answer. It's the same thing with PropStream and Batch Leads, guys. We use Batch Leads and we use PropStream. They, they do similar things. They are both grocery stores. Okay, I can go get leads at both locations, but the reality is they have they both of them have advantages and disadvantages. And for 100 bucks a month as a real estate investor, it is the cheapest money you'll ever spend. Okay, it's why we... Here's the thing is if you use, again, we get, have a discount code. So batchleads.com, I think forward slash pace is the discount yep. code and prop stream or batchleads.io forward slash pace is batch leads and propstream.com forward slash pace. You'll get a free trial. Go try them out. Okay. But next week, what we'll do 
is Cody will pull a list on batch leads and prop stream. And you know that guy we have that's a sub two student that likes to like verify skip traces. I wonder if we could have him come on and test which one's better from skip tracing standpoint. I know it takes him, it's like a 48 hour turnaround. Oh, so got we it. Could, okay. but he, it wouldn't be an instant. Got it. Okay. Well, we've got a lot of people saying, Hey, pull the list, pull the list, pull the list. So what we'll do, Linda says the same thing. Pull the list. Pull the Solomon list. says, pull the list. Um, Enrique says he is literally giving you your first deal, no cost, but you have to take action and link up. And so here's what we'll do next week. Okay, everybody. We are going to pull a list that will end up costing Cody and I a thousand dollars. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm, there's always somebody always going to now second guess what our gift is that we're going to give them. <laughs> Frankie says, what city will you be pulling the list in? Um, we'll probably pull the, I don't know. We'll come up with it on the spot, Frankie. Is that all right with you? We'll, we'll come up with it on the spot. We'll take a vote. That's what we'll do. We'll take a vote. All right. We'll take a vote, Frankie, and want whatever city you want. Okay. Whatever city you want, we'll we'll choose as one of the three or four votes. All right. Um, what if a student isn't in my state? Bro. Internet. No, 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 no. Sub two is the most successful mentorship in real estate. Hands down, there's not a single zip code in the United States that doesn't have a, a sub two student. Okay, I shouldn't shouldn't say zip code, county. There's not a single county in the United States that does not have a sub two student. Okay. Um. Ooh, Al Edmondson says DC. Man, I've pulled so many lists for the DC students. So many lists. Um, Adrian says, if I don't have a contract by next Sunday service, it's my own fault. I would agree with that entirely, dude. I would agree with that entirely. So guys, we want to show you how this business works. If we pull a list and show you guys prop stream and batch leads, why we like both of them next week, and we'll show you where to find sub two deals. That's the topic of next week is where to find sub two deals. Cody and I will pull a list on PropStream and we'll pull a list on Batch Leads. Is there another, any other place we pull lists from, Cody? No. Okay. I mean, I know there's places you used to pull lists from when we used to be partners in the very beginning, like uh, List Source. Yeah, List Source, all the leads. I mean, there there's a few, but I mean, now Batch Leads. All the leads, leads is so expensive. Stream. Yeah, batch leads and and uh, prop stream. They've just they've gotten so much more advanced, and they they have pretty much all the data you can need now. Uh, Tavares says, "Can you pull the list and go through the whole process?" Um, yeah, you know what, Tavares, I would love to go through the whole process. The problem is, this is why doing zooms with my students is so much more fun, is because I can actually call on you and have a conversation with you. But when we're doing these free YouTube lives, I don't know what you are confused by and i don't know what you really want us to focus on okay 
Why not list source all the leads or Adam data? We just uh, mentioned this, Isaiah. It's because they're incredibly expensive. Okay, they're incredibly expensive. Um, Josh Corby. I feel like Josh Corby must be an analyst or have some sort of engineer type of job. He's got really good um, analytical questions. Very good. Um, PropStream, does the estimated mortgage ha um, they list include taxes and insurance or is it just principal and interest? It's estimated for... Uh, principal and interest, like what the actual PITI payment would be. Okay. Um, I don't think most sellers will agree to um, sub two for 30 years. How do you negotiate the duration with the seller? TNT, we'll have to do that another day. How to negotiate with sellers on sub two. All right. Next week. Um, all right. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to go into the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook groups. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash creative finance with Pace Morby. Say it one more time. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash creative finance with Pace Morby. And I want you guys to say, hey, Cody and Pace are going to spend $1,000 next week on pulling a list. I want it to be in this city and then name the city. And then what our team, Kelly Hanno and our team, like Wenny and other people on our team, what they'll do is they'll actually go through and they'll count up what cities are voted on or mentioned the most. And then we'll put those together as the top three. Once we come up with the top three, we will then take a vote next week on Sunday service when we do next week's topic, which is where to find a sub two deal. And Cody and I will actually pull a list on PropStream and pull a list on batch leads, probably pre-foreclosure, maybe a couple of other lists as well, okay? And what we'll do is we'll share that list with all the sub-2 students. And what I want you guys to do, if you're a non-sub-2 student and you want to get that $1,000 list, I want to force you guys to link up with the sub-2 students, okay? We want to force you guys to network with each other. Cody, you want to see something super dope? Yeah. Check this out. This is actually from one of our mastermind students. I have not shared this with you, but you're going to love this. Read that for me. Pace, I made $160,000 working with students this month. In addition to many other money and awesome connections, I made through sub two. It all would not be possible without you. Love you. I don't advertise it widely just because I choose carefully who to work with. P.S. This is my largest check for this month. Please don't share it in your stories. So she she specifically said don't share it in your stories, but she didn't say don't share on Sunday service or in any of your private Zoom. So I'm choosing to do that. But I also am not showing her name. But look at look at this, Cody. Pace, I made $160,000 working with students this month in addition to many other uh, money and awesome connections made through Sub2. Okay? Guys, I cannot express to you stronger than I am expressing to you right now. Stop having fear. Stop being a baby and start networking with each other. You don't have to be a student to network with my students. My students are crushing it. They're making money. They're trained so frequently.
Go leverage them. Stop having fear. Stop having fear of reaching out to people, okay? Jake Winter. Oh, Jake says, I saw two different people wearing sub two hats at Disneyland this weekend, dude. So, so cool. Thank you, Jake. Good to see you at your uh, daughter and my daughter's dance recital. I met, like randomly sat behind Jake the other. It was uh, hilarious. Um, Enrique says, ha ha, you weren't going to say baby. I didn't want to, for like one second, I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings because you're always going to get somebody's fe little feelings are going to get hurt. Like, oh, this dude just called me a baby. Okay. We're going to spend a thousand dollars pulling a list for you guys all on sub two. And I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, Cody and I will get a deal between today and next Sunday, a sub two deal. And so what we'll do is we'll break here. Well, next week's topic is going to be two things where to find a sub two deal. Where do the sub two deals come from? And the second part of the, of the podcast will be us breaking down a deal. We will get locked up between today and, and next week, I will show you the contract date. That's how certain I am that we'll get a contract this week. Okay. I, I am certain we will get a sub two contract this week. We will see you guys next Sunday. Cody, you have anything to say other than um, you're just magnificent and handsome? I mean, this is the thing that I always say at the end. If you aren't already, if you haven't already found Sunday service on Spotify and iTunes, make sure to check us out on there and Happy New Year, everybody. For real, dude. And by the way, guys, you guys heard Cody talk about his YouTube channel. He has multiple. Um, Cody, drop your YouTube link in here one more time. You guys right. can go to YouTube.com. For any of you guys that have Androids, YouTube is this amazing place where you can watch videos on the internet. Oh, my God. And um, you won't really be able to access it unless you have an iPhone. So, unfortunately, just kidding. I got to have right. at least one Android joke per, per episode. So uh, guys, Cody and I have completely different flavors and that's why our partnership works so magically. Um, he does way better job on his YouTube channel for um, instructional videos and mindset stuff. And so make sure you are subscribed to both Cody and myself and um, give him some love. Make, did you give them the link for the, how to use PropStream and batch leads? Yeah, I gave them that link. I'll, uh, I'll post it again. Amazing. All right, guys, we will see you next week on Sunday service when we talk about what or where does a subject to deal come from? And please, Pace and Cody, break down a recent sub two deal. It'll be so recent that we will have contracted it this coming week. We will see you guys next Sunday, 7 p.m. Arizona time, always Arizona time because it's the only state that matters because we're the only state that does not change their time zone like we're in the archaic, barbaric time zone switching world. It's so ridiculous. All right, see you guys next week, Sunday service, later, out. Oh.